I think now, having read this book, I'm braver than all Marines. I yeah. I see that. I, I see I'm standing up straighter. I'm that... I'm ready to um, intervene tactically in a CQB situation right now, having read uh, this book. Um, I think at this point, now there are many people that are braver than me. Uh, n- no Marine is in that group. Yeah, not a single mar- U.S. Marine. And uh, it's crazy. Even ones of parallel experience to me, no. not braver. Because we've been in the shit. We've gone through this now. We've seen things that they yeah. couldn't comprehend. I've seen an adult man. Uh, think that getting really high is somehow revolutionary. Uh, oh my god, I just remember, this reminds me of some of the worst bits of, like, leftist praxis online, where it's all white dudes, only ever white dudes, who think that getting high is being radical. And it's like, no, helping free people who've been wrongly imprisoned for having gotten high, especially people of color in the communities decimated by that, that's radical. You doing drugs in your house and listening to Animal Collective is not leftist praxis. That's being a college student. Well, luckily the discourse has moved on to necrophilia and how that's woke this week. Oh my god, I'm so happy about this, by the way. The discourse is just Italian chef kiss. Just beautiful. If, if, If it has to be stupid, it might as well be this level of stupid is how I feel. Like, I feel like if someone looks at the current is necrophilia good um, argument and one can't take it with any sense of humor whatsoever, you're probably dead on the inside. Two, if you can't take it with humor because you're either seriously defending uh, necrophilia or you're like really mad at the thought of necrophilia, uh, basically we've we've made the, it, the idiot hell that we deserve oh, oh, to live oh, sorry, in. Sorry, I'm gonna... Sorry, breaking news... Uh, the masses have risen up. The, the revolution is taking place. Uh, yeah, they're in the streets. They're burning cop cars and uh, storming the mortuaries and graveyards. Uh, it, apparently, this is what it took to uh, wake the workers up. Uh, they're out of the factories and into the morgues. And uh, workers of the world unite. Uh, fuck my grandma. She did. Before, you know what to do uh but we we got a good one this week oh boy this is uh this is one i've been looking forward to well good good is a way to describe it <laughs> yeah, I, it's it's good subject matter 
That's true. Okay, yeah. There we go. Yeah. Uh, in case you had guessed, uh, I haven't developed a second personality that has an American accent. That's Langdon Hickman, who you've known from previous episodes and from various writings. Uh, and he's going to help me with a um, what we all describe as a hammer party on uh, Taolin's writing and career. And um, a, a affectionate curb stomping. A, um, <laughs> yeah, just uh, lowering him into acid. Uh, a loving, merciful uh, in guts entombment. Guts entombment. Uh, Bagsy that for name of a band, I called it. <laughs> so, yeah, he's got a new book out. Uh, Taolin, not Langdon. Uh, it's called Trip. Uh, subtitle pretentious dumb subtitle psychedelics alienation and change uh, it was originally going to be called beyond existentialism and i can only assume he changed that because he says about like a, maybe a sentence about existentialism in here and it's not a particularly good sentence it's... to his credit beyond existentialism is a substantially worse title than this so yeah he yeah, he he improved on beyond existentialism, uh, which you could also do by just like jamming your hand on a keyboard, and that could be the title. Uh, Sneezing while typing. Yeah, uh, letting a cat walk across your keyboard. These are all very alt lit su suggestions. So someone's probably done them at some point and got a really glowing write up in H HTML giant and dazed and confused. Um, yeah, Talion. In case you don't know is i'd say that the lead guy in alt lit uh such as it was uh if he weren't reading books in like what did you say like maybe 2008 to 13 somewhere around there i think I, that feels a little bit early but that i that is when everyone got started but it didn't really get um noticed until like 2010 i think somewhere hmm. around there thereabouts yeah I, he had books out as early as i think like 2003 uh really early stuff chat books and poetry and so forth and um but alt lit as a scene got started yeah around around the early 2010s and as then in a few years by like 2013 there's there's this like slew of articles saying uh alt lit is dead Alt-Lit is for boring infantile narcissists. That comes from uh, Vice for people. So, pot, golden kettle, black. Uh, the Living <laughs> Death of Alt-Lit from Flavorwire. Alt-Lit is dead uh, from Gorka. Uh, Gorka's dead. Uh, new alternatives for Alt-Lit from The Guardian. Yeah. Oh, and then uh, by in 26, 2015, or nearly 2016, uh, Days and Confused... Um, was looking for new alt-lit names to look out for. Obviously not heard from the rest of the world that alt-lit was dead at that point. Oh, and the second person on that list is uh, El Nash, who was on two episodes ago. So she is an alt-lit name, apparently. It's probably news to her. Um, <laughs> and probably very bad for her career, because it's uh, like a horribly toxic scene that produced very little of anything of substance or quality at all ever and, and the toxicity as i i feel like it would be impossible to discuss without 
is especially disgusting figure like Kaolin. Uh, the toxicity went further than just literary toxicity. Yeah, it wasn't just... Um, if it was just the book uh, Writers I Want to Fuck, or whatever it was called, where it was just a list of writers that uh, a guy called, like, with some dumb on online name like Brandon DB, or lowercase, uh, just wrote about his sexual fantasies about different writers. If it was just that, that'd be bad enough. But there's all this... Uh, like sexual assaults, just horrible. Um, it was just a crappy place to be anyone but a 21-year-old Brooklyn bro who does a lot of blow. And it was... Yeah. Yeah, and it was probably horrible to read for anyone but that pe person either. Did you did you ever, like, come across alt-lit when it was a thing? So, yeah, I have I have a slight background in it not doing it myself but um so i've been a writer for a while um but i started i had another sort of big push of trying to get stuff out there um network check into new writing stuff like that um in the late 2000s and early 2010s and i wound up befriending a lot of people who were working uh in outlet because at the time it felt exciting oh yeah it did it was, I, like yeah i don't want to like um talk it down because it's it yeah it sounded like it was a good idea at the time uh um, stuff does and and i i think that so a, a general i guess toxicology of outlet is that um let's see that's a pun uh is. is uh the the notion of uh lowered barriers of entry in art has you know long storied history um it's where we got punk from for all its uh pluses and minuses there um and alt lit felt very much the same is it at its best it was less about the con the conventions of the genre of like oh all lowercase all the time strange formatting um super loose writing normally being about drugs and sex and being feeling alienated as a young 20 year old or a late teen um it was more about giving yourself the freedom to just sit down and write and let whatever comes out be what it is. Uh, and the best of those figures, the people that I've known and have watched grow as writers and artists, sort of, like anyone who starts with a low barrier of entry form of art, use that as a way to allow themselves to take themselves seriously and then, you know, exerted you know, more effort, more discipline, more control, more influence, things like that. Uh, into their work and you know really grew as artists and eventually grew out of it also partly because of the scene politics of alt lit which were again just fucking awful <laughs> um but yeah i wound up having it so that's the most positive thing i can say about it which is not the most accurate thing to say about it because most of that writing was so fucking bad yeah i there's just a uh got articles in front of me right now that's excerpt it and it's things like today ethan drank around 500 milliliters of iron brew and ate around 22 smarties it's right. like there's there's always a, a is... tilt character in it as well like you do around two grams of blow it's... it it reminds me uh so again it's if i'm being the most charitable if i'm putting if i'm putting my uh creative writer professor hat on um 
this is indicative of people who've just started writing and are trying out things they've seen other writers do and are testing the water tool-wise. And if it actually were that, then it would be fine. Because it's like, okay, this should be workshopped. And, like, uh, art has always... I mean, literature has always had the equivalent of chapbooks and you know, small pamphlets and whatnot of untrained or unprofessional writers getting their work out there so they can get feedback to grow. So that's... There were some weird articles coming out uh, around Altlit of like how the ebook and the free distribution is the future of, and it's like it's not the future; it's literally been continuously the present. Yeah. I, it's never stopped. Um, but yeah, it's like it's that thought of like how fame can melt your brain like a fucking candle. Mm. Um, where the second they got attention and were told, "No, what you're doing is good." Um, it's that classic thing of like, don't praise a young artist too quickly or they will immediately stop growing. Mm. It's like throwing a vegetable in the fridge before it's done ripening. Yeah. And the, the whole, there was a, um, a website, Altlit Gossip, I think it was on Tumblr, and it really fostered that we're all celebrities now. We're all the new literary rat pack uh, kind of idea. Like, it take these like, 17 year olds who had put out one chat book and it, they could redo with just going to a creative writing course at the Y and uh, yeah, make them into scene celebrities. It was kind of like those like scene kids on, um, uh, what's it called? MySpace. Or even on like YouTube nowadays where some kid can become a megastar overnight because all the other kids are. All, all they have to do is say a couple of racial slurs directly into the camera on a live stream, and now they're famous for life. Yeah, that's how I know there's someone out there called Count Dankula. And... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm in my basement. I do have access to a drill, so I can actually, like, jam it into my frontal lobes and, like, erase that part from my mind, like the end of the movie Pie. But um, it's maybe after the, after the podcast. Although that would be really extreme. That would probably uh, get some maybe a scene celeb, the guy who lobotomized himself for the podcast. Um, but that's that's devotion. Yeah, that's giving the people what they want. Exactly, blood and bits of my skull being splattered over my I mean, whole basement. I mean, the name of your podcast does directly reference death metal, so yeah. it feels my hammer smash face will be my own face. That would be what would cannibal do? Yeah, like this. No, they don't. They never have. They're poses. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, Talin, uh, like we said, he has some allegations uh, around him that uh, if he, if they came out nowadays, uh, I think he'd be he'd be cancelled, kind of like Juno Diaz was last couple of weeks ago, because uh, it's it's worse than what Juno Diaz does in fact and it's yeah really really terrible yeah. stuff um and you can yeah, just, just google it uh, google i don't know talon problematic or something and you'll find it and um, the the person at the center of these things has said um that they don't that they don't want it um to be dragged up and we're going to respect that so if you want to know more then it's out there if you don't, then just know he's not a good person, and he doesn't address the the stuff in his in trip, which is ostensibly a big part of it is about his life and about you know, depression, alienation, and 
being the sort of person who could uh, make their underage partner shoplift for them and force them to write uh, multi-page confessions every day. That seems relevant somehow, but uh, he's obviously not a strong enough person to to tackle that right now. Confront that. Yeah. It's So that, without getting into the specifics of what he's been accused of, again, in deference to uh, the person at the center not really wanting that, mm-hmm. um, even just the things you mentioned um, are indicative of, so this is a broader issue that can sometimes come up in internet culture, especially like a confessional-oriented internet culture on Twitter and Tumblr, mm-hmm. but um, that alt-lit very much um, played into, it It built itself as um, real confessions and real experience of youth right now, which um, anyone in the world who's been around the block once or twice would immediately have alarm bells ringing at that because that's exactly the same way that we got sold bullshit by um, Brett Easton Ellis and Chuck Palahniuk and all these other authors of like telling it how it really is where it's almost always uh, melodramatic and overblown indicative of really, really unhealthy lifestyle. That's absolutely uncritically um, treated without criticism or uh, engagement. And then also almost always coming from positions of privilege. Not that. And that plays into the next part, which is that figures like uh, Tao Lin and um, specifically a lot of the other bigger male writers in alt-lit, just like in things like the pop punk of the 90s and early 2000s, like the metalcore and deathcore worlds, um, like scene worlds, all seemingly used their position and their tactics of being confessional and being open and being real to emotionally uh, predate. Is that, is that a verb? I think that is a verb. Yeah, I have to say so, yeah. Um, yeah, to emotionally predate on young women, non-binary folk, queer folk, um, people of color, to basically just keep everyone in a harried state of constant emotional rawness that then could be taken advantage of for sex, drugs, just delinquent shit on like as a minor end to that. And that's where a lot of, a lot of the toxicity of that world drove a ton of people away. And some people stopped making all art altogether. Some of them just changed format, but yeah, even that's the literary form took on a kind of toxicity because it, for a lot of people was so strongly identified with peers keeping peers, not even just like partners, but also feeling like emotionally manipulated by peer groups to stay constantly raw and to never heal and to never sober up and to never get your life together. Just, horrible horrible Mm. shit which is not new to alt lit but it was the manifestation in the 2010s yeah that's kind of why we don't have it anymore because yeah everyone's moved to podcasting that's um yeah that's 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 true too (laughs) um 
And yeah, he's um, Talon has kind of in his way healed, and that's kind of what trips about. It's uh, a, a chunk of it covers the story of him um, getting off drugs, and he was a kind of omni drug addict. He's addicted to the concept of drugs rather than a particular drug. Um, he seems to just like if it. An intoxicant, he will take it at some point in like uh, 2013, thereabouts. Uh, so, kind of like at the crest of the alt lit thing when he had just released um, Taipei, which is kind of the moment that, that's like alt lit's never mind. It's like the moment it became mainstream and uh, it was a proper book. It wasn't a chat book or it wasn't on, online or on a Tumblr. And I haven't actually read it. And um, I was always <laughs> meant to, just to get out out my system. But um, have you ever read Taipei? Is there anything? Did you ever? I I leafed through it to confirm a suspicion. Um, same with um. The most mystifying and fucking galling thing about Talon to me is the fact that he had a story called fucking Final Fantasy Three <laughs> that of all places got published in Granta. Nice. Good. Good on just, you. Um, but yeah, so my, my, uh, and I'll admit I wrote, wrote bitterness there. That's nothing, nothing more profound than that. I'm just like, fuck you, Tao. Yeah, um, English language just but, needs a word for when you're bitter and jealous, but it's okay. Cause the person is not get, is, doesn't deserve what you're jealous of. Yeah. Like they're just, they're, uh, objectively huge pieces of shit. So it's yeah. fine. Um, but yeah, so I, I leafed through Taipei and confirmed for myself that it was more pages of guy goes to the city, guy hangs out with hip urbanites, guy does drugs, guy has sex, guy's sad now. It's like it's like if the weekend were bad. <laughs> yeah. That's a good description of Altlet in general, actually, now that I think yeah. about it. If the weekend were bad. If, if I'm fucked up. When I'm fucked up, that's a real me. Uh, episode <laughs> title, by the way. Uh, <laughs> seriously, I, I, that, that was I like within four pages of uh, trip that I knew that would be the episode title. Uh, <laughs> but um, okay, so we've covered Talin as a human, and we're going to cover him as we're going to cover his book. But you're going to have to wait for that because I'll play some music first. Um. They're a band from Bristol in the UK, uh, kind of near where I used to live, so kind of West Country solidarity with these guys. Um, they're called Svalbard. Svalbard. I uh, don't know what that means in Norwegian or whatever, but they kind of do crust uh, hardcore stuff. They're on um, Holy Raw Records, who are good as fuck. Um, they're also from the UK and they put out like all the interesting music, heavy music coming out of the UK now is probably on Holy Raw. And they've got a new album that Svalbard do called It's Hard to Have Hope. It sounds kind of alt-lit. And their first um, song off the album is called Unpaid Intern. Also could be an uh, alt-lit title. Um, and the rest are called Revenge Porn, Feminazi, Pro-Life, For the Sake of the Breed. How do we stop it? Try not to die until you're dead and Ioric. 
and what that is. But uh, these guys are cool. So I'm going to play you um, Unpaid Intern. And you can go to their band camp, and they're on Twitter, and I'll be tweeting about them because they're really cool. It's their song.
Okay, that was Svalbard. Uh, go to the Bandcamp. There'll be a, a link and all that. I quite enjoy their music. Uh, but you know what I didn't enjoy? That's Trip by Tao Lin. It's fucking shit. <sighs> it's... Oh my god. <laughs> it's so bad. This, this was, swear to god, one of the worst books I've read in years. Yeah, I, I can't think of a book that I've read recently that's been as bad as this. Probably only the only one that's been as bad is um, Exit West by uh, Machine Hammered. And that caused me to do a review which was basically just farting. It was just going <laughs> into the mic. Uh, you can go... You, I, I, I did a literary equivalent of that when I, uh, when I listened... When I wrote a review for the Arcork. The, I don't... I hate that album so much. Oh, was that by um, Liturgy? Oh, yeah. God, yes. Like, I don't even hate Liturgy, but that record just... Mm, mm, made me mm. mad. <laughs> yeah, I remember hearing, like, like, when they started, and it was on, like, Stereo Dumb or some some non-metal blog with normies, and I uh, figured, wow, this is pretty interesting stuff, then realizing that they didn't have anything else. And they kind of came out at the same time as Alt-Lit, so I, I blamed them for this. And they're also from Brooklyn. I think it all comes together. You can see what I'm say what I'm doing here. I'm gonna make one of those like boards with like the red string connecting stuff. Be like liturgy, alt lit, Talin, Kent McKenna. <laughs> my uh my running theory that living in a city drains you of any sense of culture or personhood uh has yet to be disproved. And especially when that city is Brooklyn. Yep. But I, you know, I know some Brooklyners and there's some good bands and writers and so forth. You know, don't at me. If they don't know that we're being at least a little tongue in cheek, they don't deserve to laugh yeah, with us. You got, you got to be able to pass irony, I think, to to um, live in Brooklyn. You're on the internet, like damn. <laughs> so yeah, let's talk about trip, because uh, okay, so it's a. It's kind of a drugs memoir. It's kind of a uh, baby's first Terrence McKenna book. It's uh, got a little the bit of short story-ish bit in the back where he goes and meets Terrence McKenna's widow. It's um, a guide to uh, psychedelic substances that you've either tried or know about. I don't think anyone needs to have uh, marijuana explained to them at this point. Um, maybe Salvia Divinorium is a bit more obscure, but even that was kind of... I remember having that when I was like 17, but when I you could still buy it when, in like head shops in the UK. Same. Yeah, and it was it was kind of interesting because all it, all it made me and my friends do was quote Futurama. And um, I don't know if that's the intended effect. I don't know if guys in like the Amazon are like smoking that and being like, Kiff, I'm headed to the men's room and I'll be needing an attendant, so... Oh, I'm sorry. You're crying like a woman. Immediately no script for future on <laughs> yeah. episodes. If it, if it did that, though, that would kind of prove uh, the existence of, like, uh, higher dimensional machine elves and so, so on. Who about... A super dimensional Futurama. Yeah, maybe Futurama is real and we're all... It's getting beamed from the future <laughs> at us. Um, we access it through drugs. Yeah. And Matt Graded is was just like did a ton of salvia, got a head shop, and came up with this idea for a show about a delivery boy who gets frozen. 
Uh, that, by the way, is, is like the level of psychedelic speculation that goes on in Trip. We're at, we're at that kind of... Oh, except except when it's being like tedious as shit. Oh yeah, except when it's like listing the that there's cornstarch in um, different pills. Oh, and the uh, subtle anti-vaxxer stuff is good as well. Are we... I'm I'm glad you mentioned it because I uh, my so um, I may have mentioned this before. My uh, my girlfriend's uh, getting a degree in biodefense has a lot of looks into the stuff all the time. I specifically handed the book to her and pointed angrily uh, until she silently read it to herself. <laughs> and she threw my copy of the book more than Good. once and told me to stop reading it. And then when I said that I couldn't, <laughs> she demanded that I get get it out of the house when when we're done. <laughs> I hope you do. Um, find some like, I, interesting I'm way to destroy sure this. I'm not sure if I want to burn it because I'm, I, I might inhale the smoke, and I don't. I don't want that to happen. I don't want this in me. Yeah, I, I think you, you need to like throw it in a um, like a wood chipper, kind of like end of Fargo style. Yeah, I yeah. can see that. But, um, I'm trying to find so because we can just say that we hate it, and that's true. Uh, but I'm trying to find exactly. So I guess I'm going to start with the one mild compliment. I have for it, mm -hmm. um, which is that, because that outlines, I think, all of its worst tendencies, too. Um, when, when Tao Lin shifts totally into, like, nonfiction book mode, when he's just talking about, uh, like, giving a biography of Terrence McKenna or talking about um, his relate the relation of his work to uh, pop culture... Um, even though some of the, there's a bit of an editorial voice that's a bit, um, stoner mystic-y, mm. which is tedious as hell if you're a grown adult, um, the writing itself isn't bad. Like, it's very transparent, um, conveys a lot of information, but doesn't do so in a way that feels, um, distracted by its own stylistic quirks, um, still is about something. And then he writes about himself, and all of that disappears. Every every last bit. Mm. Like, the, it's transcendental in a certain way how much worse his prose gets. Because, like, fundamentally, I'm one of those boring fucks that thinks fundamentally a book is prose about a thing. And if you don't have good prose, I, d I don't care what the book's mm. about. Like, you just... Um, when he writes in first person, it's like everything that he's learned about writing disappears. He starts using a million, like, L-Y ending adverbs instead of just picking a better word. He goes on lists and lists of adjectives, which in some, in some writers' hands, like James Joyce does that sometimes, transcendent. In his hands, it feels just indecisive. Yeah, it's always just like childlike quality where before children learn how to use commas there's just and 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 all the uh equally childlike drawings that are in here just give that whole like twee yeah just like a twee vibe to when he's in his Taolin on Taolin mode um which then jams up against talking about mk ultra Like, he, and this, 
I think juts against or not juts against actually it pairs quite well with uh in the worst possible way with the fact that all of the content of this book is the same boring ass stoner mystic pseudo profound bullshit you've been fed from your high friend who loves to talk to you about sublime that you stopped talking to when you were 19 because sublime's yeah. terrible only it's only it's a 35 year old man yeah it's um one of my notes here just says what happens when the ultimate hipster stops being hip and that's kind of the problem he's he's in this phase that everyone else went through when they were 17. Like, I know so much of this stuff from reading Terence McKenna or um, Robert Anton Wilson or uh, reading The Invisibles or just all that shit that teenage boys go through when they're trying to be interesting. And, yeah, I, I, I've been there and done that to all of this stuff. I don't know who this is for. Because, like, if you're hip enough to know about Tal Lind, yeah. then you're hip enough to know about salvia and dmt um there's nothing I, new here apart, like, apart from the stuff about dentistry that that admittedly is entirely new to me that was a real profound yeah, and that that would have been i would i would have i would have read a book about that kind of information because he wrote compellingly yeah. about it and i didn't exactly. know it so folks like, at home apparently you know how like ordinary people nowadays go to the dentist like 10 times and i've had like four of my teeth out and I've still got a bit, bit of titanium in there that sets off metal detectors at airports. So th that wasn't always the case. Like people in the olden times, in like Stone Age times, didn't have fucked up teeth. And their teeth were nice and white. And if you go to like tribal societies nowadays, everyone has perfect teeth that are all gleaming and white. And it's because we're degenerates, uh, Taolin's actual term. He talks a lot about uh, degeneracy. And he doesn't. He's not doing it in like that alt-right way, but he's he's, he's one breath away oh, yeah. from decrying Miss Kegan. Yeah, <laughs> it's just he, and and um, this whole thing. I mean, this whole book wouldn't have happened without Joe Rogan's podcast. Oh my God! I literally <laughs> like so. So that's not a joke. No. Uh that's not a made-up anecdote. It's literally um, the first two paragraphs. Paragraph. Par no, first. The first, yeah, first oh, yeah. yeah. Um I I'm trying to see exactly what sentence it is. One, two the third sentence. I had clicked a YouTube video in which Joe Rogan and it's at that point that I was like, Oh <laughs> yeah. <"Whoop."> <laughs> I know what I'm he's in for. Had the turn. And funny story, uh Mike Cernovich is a big uh, big fan of t uh Lin's new work. He tweeted about it. And then I tweeted holy fucking shit, you know you've gone horribly off the rails when Mike fucking Cernovich is praising the work. And then Mike Cernovich retweeted my uh, tweet, uh, thinking it was praise, and then all his chud followers have, have started liking it, and I've now got a bunch of chuds uh, following me. So, um... Uh, well, hopefully, hopefully yeah. they die. Um, so, it would be good, um, um yeah, uh, any Cernovich fans, um, it'd be good if he died. I, I'd find it funny. Uh, if Mike Cernovich himself or died... They, uh, or they could waterboard themselves. They could what themselves? They could waterboard they themselves. Because they started doing that recently. And that, that was... I felt really owned when they did that. And I would be more owned if they did it more yeah, frequently. I, I, um, 
I was so uh, triggered that I shook so hard that all the uh, pink dye came out of my hair and I spat up my soy. Um, uh, yeah, I was just horribly owned by that. Um, if they were to do it with Fago, I would be so owned. I, I, I would um, tell my uh, life partner, who I don't know the gender of because I'm just that woke, that um, I would need um, a safe space built for me in our home, which we don't own. That's just how triggered I would be. So, I... so just please don't waterboard yourselves over and over and over again and film it and then put it on the yeah. internet. But seriously, folks, so what's that? What's that like? What are they going for with that? Because if they're saying like waterboarding isn't torture and it's okay and I, I can take it, then why are they okay with the CIA doing it? Because it wouldn't work if it's not torture. Right? That's it's so expecting them to have a firm grasp on those kinds of uh, even basic philosophical contortions, I think, is very optimistic. Mm. Um, because so sometimes uh, the evil of the world is, uh, in a satanic measure, trying to trick us into being more deeply evil than we would have otherwise. Uh, other times, it is just yeah. stupid. It's like you're not smart enough to be a good person. And you just kind of fall into the orbit of Mike Cernovich, which I, I think he's going to end up to tell in. I'm sure he's going to end up on Joe Rogan, like pretty soon. Like these guys are not like these guys are all egotists. And having Joe Rogan again shouted out in the first couple of sentences of this, it's he'll get on his radar. He'll go on that show. He'll 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 go on other ones, and then he'll end up on fashion nation or stormfront or something uh, talking about degeneracy and uh could can up on uh, gavin mckinnis right. um you know take the whole thing full circle you know, go for the whole um hipster conservative fascist vibe and just bring it all together and uh that's you know we'll give him the benefit so i, I oh sorry go on i i I want to briefly defend some of the spaces where I think Talon is getting um, getting his ideas from here because they do. That's another frustration for me. So um, the obvious one textually is Terrence McKenna, who is has had kind of an intellectual re, uh, reintegration, especially since. Um, uh, for all of its faults and foibles, speculative philosophy um, uh, sort of brought back of if you no longer read what he's saying as we have to take this as literally true and you instead start thinking of because he was, amongst other things, a big proponent of like Gaia theory and oh. stuff like that, which says that the Earth is one big, literally one big organism. If you stop taking that at face value as purely literal and start thinking of it as at least somewhat metaphorical, that's not a bad way to imagine um, ecological space, that functionally um, there is ecological interplay between all the elements of the system of the Earth, and that's why you can't quite go like, oh, I don't like mosquitoes, let's kill all of them, or this plant is a weed to me, so let's get rid of it. Um, so it... It requires, like any kind of thought space, a more active engagement and a more critical set of internal questions for, like, how do I navigate this and make it useful? 
Likewise, prose-wise, um, and some of the uh, idea space that he's plucking from from other places, like you mentioned, um, Grant Morrison, um, Robert Anton Wilson, uh, Robert Farina, just like any of those kinds of psychedelic writers, um, they definitely have like literary value and genre value and there's some uh techniques and language styles that came up uh through those and some images like it's hard to table a strong argument that william s burroughs is a bad writer who isn't worth mm. the time it's a difficult argument to really sustain um granted people who tend to really like people who become obsessed with these figures sometimes do so at the detriment of all of the other literature and all the other voices mm. in the world. And I can see someone grabbing Trip, reading it, and thinking that all of these ideas are really cool and then getting into these other better writers, but being absolutely the cockheaded dipshit uh, that any like 19-year-old boy who finds mm. them is. But I can see grown-ups doing it, and that makes me furious. Yeah, there's like this like subtype of... Uh... 30 to 40 year old man who goes under this thing that um Tallinn and Mike Cernovich have gone into where they get into psychedelics way too late they take it way too seriously and it ends up fucking them up like um I remember when we talked about this we talked about uh, Daniel Pinchbeck's um Breaking Open the Head which came out when I was when I was in my psychedelic douchey 19 year old phase and he was like a respected journalist and he had um, a book that was kind of like Trip, semi-autobiographical, how um, doing DMT and Ibogaine made him a better person. And then, he, yeah, he went totally off the off the rails and started talking about 2012 a lot um, and <laughs> wrote a book about it and was 100% no full and convinced that on December 24th, was it? At 11 o'clock. I think 21st. 21st? But... I always think it's 23rd, just because 23 and Robin Anton Wilson and so on. But um, yeah, he, he was totally convinced that everyone's going to ascend to the fifth dimension on that day in 2012. And surprised they didn't. And he's still out there. I think he's still making stuff, but uh, he kind of shot his wad on the whole 2012 thing. And um, even Terence McKenna didn't believe it believe it but uh this one guy did because he got into this like, way too late and had no it wasn't like in the right order you go through you you're supposed to do this yeah when you're a teenage boy and it's, i'm using boy very specifically because it's like 99 percent guys there's very few uh women who are who are doing this even like good ones like um on the kind of more Grant Morrison, uh, well, early Grant Morrison, I like his new stuff, uh, and Robert Anton Wilson yeah. stuff. There's very few women talking about this, apart from Terence McKenna's wife, uh, who turns up in later in Trip. Yeah, it's, um, I think that's the, so there's a necessary component to it that Dowlin absolutely, totally lacks. And that I, so, uh, I think a caveat here, um, Illuminatus is probably my favorite book. Wow. I don't think it's the best book of all time, but it's absolutely my favorite. 
um, just wonderfully virtuosic kaleidoscope of style and genre. Um, the key thing about it, though, is that it is knowingly, deliberately playful. Mm. And so is Terrence McKenna. That, that, that's, that, yeah, I mean, that's, that, the, the intellectual uh, renaissance of Terrence McKenna came from the fact that he was at least very open of, like, I'm not trying to tell you walk away and think exactly what I think. I He imagined it as more uh, discursive, um, or discursive, rather. Um, and so that, that winds up saving him a bit, because it's uh, when you no longer have the tenor of I'm telling you the truth, and more like we're all sitting talking together, it at least lowers the stakes of what's being said and so writers like um alan moore is also great about this at his uh best um borge and calvino if if we deny that there's a psychedelic stream there you're sort of deliberately an idiot um so there's that long history of like being playful with this stuff and taking that play seriously and being serious about where it goes but you don't you don't seriously he straight up talks about how he Talon straight up talks about how he went off of his medication because now all he needs to do is get high all the time and it's like dude you sound exactly like a 17 year old yeah. yeah mom i'm not taking these ritalin anymore i've got weed it's like my i called my brother about this um while i was reading it because my brother and i were sort of joined at the hip when it came to like youth drug experiences uh for better and for worse for some of it um and like i just i needed to tell specifically him about mm. this book because he's very much um totally grown out of it he like drinks some beer sometimes when he wants to you know it's the weekend or something because he's an adult man and he's like yeah i can i can have some beers on a friday because you know i'm done with work or go to the bar with his co-workers and he he's a manager at a place makes decent money um totally normal life but had very much you know the the male youth experience of do a lot of drugs probably too many drugs and then snap out of it and go go have mm. your life now and just mystifying him by going like this man is older than both my brother and me and seems to have just entered this, but writes about it in, this is the fascinating thing. I think on a prose level too, he doesn't write about it like a grown man who's discovered mm. it. He still sounds like a teenager. Yeah, and yeah. They often do this, this archetype of people who get into this way too late, like the Mike Cernoviches and Joe Rogans and stuff of the world. They're like totally fascinated by this new discovery and and it's not new. Uh, Terence McKenna is long dead, and all this stuff has come from like the sixties and seventies. And Robert, Dan like when did Illuminatus came out? It was like seventies, like very late sixties. Uh, very late sixties, and then into uh, yeah, into the seventies. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, it's like it had its time in culture. It's usually has its time in people's lives, and. Yeah, this supposedly ultra hip, important writer who's, you know, he's like, he's not a great writer, but he's significant in his way as the exemplar of alt lit. For him to start this at 
this point in his life and career and to stake his like follow-up to Taipei, which was his big breakout I'm a mainstream writer now moment, for him to go into this is just is baffling. It is just it, someone who's high all the time. It's it's infuriating in all the ways that like so admittedly I don't have a lot of affection for him. So this analogy falls apart a little bit there, but it's the equivalent of when you go home as, and it's a depressing thing that happens early to anyone as they get older. You go home in say you're 25 or you're 27 or you're 31, or you just got married, you just got a house and you go back to visit your hometown and you're, uh, you know, you're catching up with old friends and you run into that one friend of yours who still absolutely hasn't grown up at all, if anything, seems to have doubled down on, like, yeah, I follow jam bands around the country. And, like, don't harsh me, man. It makes me happy. Isn't that what matters? And you're like, you like, at a certain point, you're expected to know that part of being a mature adult in the world is caring about more things than just, am I happy right now? Like there is more to the world to care about, to think about, to engage with than just the idiotic, like the bluntly idiotic and wasteful form of, of hedonism. Yeah. And just like, but this guy got it published through fucking Penguin Press. Yeah, it it may as well be I, uh, he got into Ayn Rand. That's like the this is like that's like the other direction he could have gone in here. This instead of like I'm gonna stuff drugs into my skull until I have conversations with machine elves and sex with them at one point. Uh, I'm gonna be a hedge fund manager and drive a Porsche. There's like the other direction that you can go in when you're like 19 years old, first semester in college. If you meet the, you know, if you meet the guy in a suit instead of the guy in a like gross white dreadlocks, you could end up going in the other direction. And yeah, he's 30 fucking five years old. He was maybe 33 when this was started to be written. And yeah, it's utterly bizarre and really regressive and it's going to make a bunch of 30-something new dads who are pissed off that they can't play video games anymore because they've got a kid uh, they're going to start smoking weed and maybe go on an ayahuasca retreat and then maybe die because that can happen on ayahuasca retreats and uh, yeah it's it's and it's bourgeois as fuck because he's he does yeah. he talks about why um drugs are illegal and his he gives some um lip service to the racial component you know like marijuana was made illegal because uh, it was something that mexicans and black people and hippies did therefore and he talks a bit about the etymology of the word marijuana like why we say marijuana instead of cannabis and so, so on and but his conclusion is just the man doesn't want you to uh, be talking to the machine elves in the fifth dimension and maybe having sex with them and like for your mind to be open and blown and uh, to then, I don't know, create your own invisible cell or something. And um, yeah, it's, 
that and that's not it at all i i very much like i if someone wants to present that as evidence with like quotes from i don't know the dea or someone then go ahead but there's no evidence that it's anything more than just nixon didn't like hippies and black people and earlier that people didn't like mexicans it really is just that and then they had to lump in all the other drugs including the psychedelics in there just to be in some way consistent and um yeah the, the kind of guys who can do this like ayahuasca retreats and sweat lodges and buying dmt through the mail they're not the people in prison for having a gram of weed on them they're the rich guys like Talin, whose dad incidentally invented lasik so you know if you don't have glasses anymore then you can thank uh, mr lynn senior you know he's he's not a he wasn't out hustling on the streets for his drugs like his fans were sending him crack in the mail it's uh, yeah it's the class politics in there are, are pretty shitty as well as they often are with um this kind of psychedelic culture it's deeply deeply appropriative and then erases everything that like it's that fury the thing i hate is the way that one he discusses um uh the way that like aboriginal cultures are just objectively mm. better yeah. than than great modern teeth culture. just better in all ways they have perfect teeth uh pearly white teeth um the best diet he he doesn't use its name but he invokes the notion of a paleo diet as being better he invokes the notion of organic food and non-gmo food and no pesticides being always better like uh, like not and i've had discussions with this with other people it's sort of like uh in the in the nuclear world the notion of the question of how do you dispose of nuclear radiation in a way that is readable and safe for people you know 500 years from now a thousand years from now because that's how long some of us can last those are serious questions about nuclear energy a non-serious question about nuclear energy is uh all nuclear reactors immediately blow up and kill everyone which is not true um and likewise he takes real questions about um pesticides and some long-term effects of uh certain types of genetic Mm. modification not all types but very specific types and you know the ethics of them and uh are there uh, other better ways like can we have a bio um a pesticide that biologically breaks down over the span of like a year or two so it's longer than a crop cycle but still keeps things like that and he just turns it into if you've ever been exposed to, are these are the real drugs these are the real drugs these pesticides they're they're the ones getting you really high um I, it's it's exactly the same kind of bullshit that you expect to hear from someone who winds up getting hospitalized for malnutrition because they've only been eating couscous for like mm, seven yeah. years it's there was a a big um news story in my part of the world about these hippie parents who their child died of, I think, leukemia, and it, it was very treatable. It was uh, they caught it early on, but uh, they gave the child like garlic enemas and stuff, just absolutely bizarre shit. That's not even that's like bizarre even by the standards of alternative medicine. And they didn't go to jail. And the guy, the 
father of the child is now a spokesperson for a um i think paleo homeopathic medicine company because that that's i know right it's i mean if you don't want to jail them just he's not a good spokesperson for this stuff he's obviously even if it does work he is not the guy who can make it work he's not good at this but uh yeah so that that guy was in the uh, calgary um convention center a few weeks ago pitching um his product and uh it's the same bullshit that Talin comes out with it's it's very um individualistic in the bad sense of the word very self-centered it's um this is interesting i find it interesting therefore it's should then for it's right because how could i the center of the universe not uh how could stuff not be about me how could it how could medicine be boring stuff like chemotherapy and not cool stuff like garlic enemas and how why do i have to read big textbooks on uh the effects of pesticide over generations when i could just declare that uh all organic food is just naturally better and uh yeah fuck all the people who depend on that food for their you know, daily sustenance and fuck all the people in china who don't have rickets anymore because we sell them enhanced rice instead of um just plain rice yeah it's yeah it's the most bland and dangerous form and it's it's dangerous mm. because it's bland it's blandness is what makes it safe enough that people don't kick back hard against it form of um gentrified thought especially gentrified thought as it applies to nutrition and nutritional information mm. um that what constitutes a nutritious because he talks about nutrition mm. for a while in in the book and he talks about like oh it's one thing that doctors don't get Which a lot of true. training in, and, it's, and that's, that's a bad thing it, it, and that's true um, and it's another instance of him name checking a real fact in order to prove a point that's asinine and self-serving because he doesn't go into that any. So it's sort of like, uh, it's sort of like any discussion about BMI is that it's not so much that it is wholly unreal as much as it is one of potentially many tools that can be useful for approaching specific issues, but None of that framing in its development has been retained, and it just turns into if you're over this number, you're automatically unhealthy and a bad person. Um, like a lot of things, like instead of it being a tool that contextually can be useful and can slash should be replaced when we get better tools, which we have gotten by now, we have a much better understanding of how weight does not immediately correlate into health or nutrition, and that there are other metrics that we can use that are better metrics um, because in the at the end of the day, a BMI and weight in general were only useful because we didn't have better metrics for what we thought that affected, like blood pressure, um, organ situation, or, or organ, um, not, I guess situation is the right word, or how they can rest in your body, just boring questions like that. Now we do. So we don't really need that, and you know most people have moved past it. He name-checks um nutrition which is sort of a growing trend especially because uh fun factoid the most recent version of the dsm has removed um all versions basically of clinical depression uh from it 
and now views depression more as a side effect of other issues. And it can be a chronic side effect because the issues that it come from can be chronic. But um, that's where if anyone's been to a therapist recently um, or a psychiatrist, there has been a much bigger push over the past few years for um, a change of diet, exposure to more sunlight, um, more socializing, um, uh, incorporating a, an exercise regimen as well as therapy yeah. and medication because of this thought that, you know, the body's a whole unit and you have to, you know, treat as many. Var- he doesn't, he doesn't, Talon doesn't mm. fucking care about that. He's exactly the same fucking yuppie who goes to Whole Foods and says, I'm buying a superfood, therefore I'm healthy. And you must hate yourself for not having uh, kale smoothies or some mm. shit like yeah. that. He's, um, yeah, he doesn't want to do the work here. And it's, a, yeah, again, comes back to him being too old for this shit. He, and he should have grown out of it by now. Like, I can get, like, a 20-year-old doing sustainability studies at university being way too eager about veganism or paleo diets, but you are supposed to get about over this shit by the time you're 35, unless you're in on the grift, like that um, like that guy with the, with the kid is now. He's part of the grift now. And Tal Lin seems to be a sincere believer. And you're not, you know, he's, you're not, Watching someone bark out can sometimes be disturbing as hell. Yeah, he's... To use wrestling terms. Yeah, he's, uh... I don't know, he... He may go into this, like, full-time, and try to become a semi-guru. Uh, he may go into the whole rightward direction and go on Joe Rogan and Mike Cernovich's stupid, um periscope cast or something or he may go back to writing fiction but um this is a really really shitty um entry in his bibliography it's bad writing it's bad thoughts it's from a bad person it doesn't seem indicative of him getting better i think that's so without getting too much into it i have some history of um, family and friends who've dealt with addiction. Uh, some still are Same, dealing yeah. with addiction. It's not terribly uncommon. This reminds me in the most disturbing ways of all the self-deluded, terrifying bullshit that would come out of their mouths about how, no, I'm actually better now. I'm actually living a better, fuller life. And it's like, for the love of God, you are mm. clearly not. Like, it... Yeah, th- that kind of like uh, self-righteousness that comes out of even addicts of like heroin sometimes can get this like very self-righteous holy fool kind of glow about them and can look down on people who don't have that in their lives and and especially for like the most immediately toxic reasons of like oh they're mm-hmm. a square they just don't understand they bought into it man yeah, and it's like Talon's whole vibe here he's I don't know if he uses the term square in this, but uh, he probably, yeah, he has that, like, just Washington Square Park. But um, he, yeah, he doesn't, um, yeah, he comes off as a boring 17-year-old who got way too into 
that's a probably even something lower down the the thing than the Illuminatus trilogy or the Invisibles, probably like the Matrix or something. Uh, <laughs> incidentally, sued uh, Grant Morrison uh, for stealing all his ideas, and he got a ton of money from them. Um, but yeah, he's he's red pilled himself, and uh, it's now a boring, dumb, horribly written, badly thought out book. And like I have, so I have a thought about some some of the things that he engages with here, like the notion of uh, drug use to change perspective and things like that. And I don't, I, in fact, like like most adults who aren't weird cop loving narcs, um, I don't think there's necessarily anything immediately wrong with with those thoughts like sometimes it takes what it takes to for some people it's witnessing tra having tragedy in their lives for some people it's having the first bit of joy in their life for some people it's watching the news and becoming more learned um for some people it winds up being drugs just the thing that shakes you out of your shell and in sort of a very nietzschean sense you start shedding things that people have told you and you start being a more active participant in the world, wherever that takes you. Sometimes it takes you in a really bad direction, sometimes a good direction, but the notion of like, you need to be present in the world. You don't, it's not good to just take what's handed to you. Even if you wind up liking what's handed to you, it's not wrong to engage with it. And he's turned into the worst parody of that. And it's a, like, it winds up being a big pet peeve for me because he exists as a blockage for whenever someone who comes along and is sincere um, and isn't a big shithead about like, no, you can be a more active interrogator and participant in your own life and the culture and world around you. If anything, that's what activism is, is precisely that same push to bear witness to the world, sometimes aspects of it that were obscured from view and then actually participate in it. Uh, and he's turned it into how can I get yeah. high next? Yeah. Like, all the worst parts, all the predatory behavior you hear about, um, uh, like, if you see a, a man in a feminist space, he probably is just there to fuck chicks. Um, he's he's exactly that version of, like, you're getting involved. With, ugh, oh, oh, my God. Now my now my brain's whited out. I'm just so angry. <laughs> he has uh, altered your consciousness by just upping uh, adrenaline and testosterone to the point where I'm just very mad at uh, this book existing and it being on Penguin Random House it not just being a series of blog posts or something and but I mean it's kind of it was like some of this was in Vice magazine a little while back when he had a toweling on drugs um, article series uh, which is Vice wonders why they have a hard time getting people to take yeah, this and Tallinn will too he's gonna come to Sun's next book and find his, his audience has dried up or grown up and uh, then he'll probably do trip version 2 where he'll, I don't know or, or he'll just become a Christian which is what like 90 people that's, that's yeah. what I anticipate that feels like the vibe here is, and so to be fair um, uh, well actually not to be fair, to, to shit mm -hmm. on him some more um, uh, there is a strong correlation um, between as he brings up between mystic experience uh, through uh, through drugs like this um, and uh, religious faith. Now, 
for most people. Now, I mean, obviously one can take that in a new atheisty direction, uh, but that's really boring and clearly overly simplistic. Uh, if anything, that sort of speaks to why religious experience is so profound and so near and dear to people, because it has precisely that same tenor of bearing witness to a truth that you never saw before, even if it isn't necessarily the truth. Um, and that can alter your life and shape the direction of your life, and that can be potentially a very positive thing for you. Um, uh, there isn't, it's not, it's it's not by accident that things like the 12-step program have higher power stuff. It plays into some of those experiences. So, yeah, quite seriously, I could very easily see him just becoming like a born-again Christian or some yeah. boring shit like that. These guys often do. They'll have their, they'll have their phase. The, gu the guys who like pick this up too late, they'll have their phase. They'll go to the Amazon and do Smyaraska. They'll, I know, end up in Haiti, covered in grave dust, begging the voodoo priest not to bury them again and then they come back to the real world and they can't keep it up and they end up in a mega church as a very boring middle of the road christian probably with a little like vaguely liberal vibe to them not like full liberation theology but like a, a, a vaguely nice christian you know christian with some gay friends and that's yeah that's where talin is going so we wish him luck on his on his journey and uh... a uh, a caveat to to this discussion, which I after talking to someone about the the book and their immediate reaction of why the fuck are you reading a book by him and all that kind of stuff, is uh, a strong encouragement not to buy the book to hate mm. read along. Yeah, like take take this quite literally as a sacrifice that was made so that you don't have to do not support this book. <laughs> On that note, I... um, <laughs> let's play some death metal. Uh, no, let's not play some death metal, because we're going to play different music. Uh, do you want to introduce these guys? Because they're your recommendation, so I feel like you should... Um... Um, they are a... So... Uh, wound up discovering them, because I'm... Uh, amongst being uh, a massive metalhead, I have an equally strong love for progressive rock, just old and new, huge into that world. No one pays me to write about it, though. Um, and while checking out a band that's um, really, really well-beloved in that world called Motor Psycho, uh, it's a Norwegian um, psych folk band, uh, Spotify wound up throwing up some suggested stuff, wound up diving deeper into the Norwegian psych rock and prog world, uh, like Dungeon is a bigger group in that world as well. And happen to found these guys. Their name is Texty TV 666 They are, from what I can tell, uh, never put out an album, just singles and very short EPs, but they're on Spotify if you want to um, check them out. Uh, Bandcamp, um, which is uh, where you can buy their stuff. Yep. A better um, <laughs> better service than Spotify. 26 euros. Uh, and yeah, and it's, uh, yeah, it's really... Um, rich and lush uh, psychedelic rock or psychedelic rock infused uh, prog. Um, I would describe them as if you're an adult, what uh, what Tame Impala should oh, sound God, like. Oh god, yes. Um, <laughs> you'll hear them and you'll go, yeah, I hear it. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> yeah, and 
So I'm going to play one of their songs. It's the eighth track off their album One Two Three. It's I I can't do I can't pronounce this. It's in Finnish. It Kahexan Pava Vikosa. Yeah, Kekistan something. Um, I I learned how to pronounce Norwegian. Ironically, not through uh, black metal, but through uh, through weird prog rock. So like Alamayulmin Vasarat, which is a cool group as well, which means hammers of the underworld. Nice. I can I can uh, write yeah. uh, and um just without uh, looking it up. Yeah, nice. It's, it's uh, probably my crowning achievement. Um, that and when <laughs> I defeated the ninjas who destroyed my temple. But that's another story. Um, so yeah, we're going to play that Kekistan song by uh, Texty TV six six six. I think Texty TV and I could be wrong about this, is what we had in Britain called Teletext. It was like when you, you could have a TV and you press a little button and you get this like old school uh, ASC2 like like proto-internet where you could like look up like times of shows and there would be even music reviews on there and stuff. So I think that's what a text TV is. And you put in a three digit code to go to different, uh, go to different ones and they must be on page 666. So that's what Texty TV <laughs> is. And I think we've uh, taught the listeners a lot today um, what Texty TV is and don't ever go near Trip by Taolin or go near Taolin. Uh, just don't, yeah. just don't. Just say no. Um, we should have like, uh, you ever see that's like, Card they give the kids with all the different uh, ways of saying no to marijuana, like yeah. dope isn't cool. I'm no fool, and uh, really, really cool stuff you'll say in real life. Uh, <laughs> if I smoke weed once, I'll go immediately exactly, to hell. Yeah. And that's not true of weed, which is good, because um, it makes you stronger, so you can beat up cops. But yeah, it's true. You can't ever die no. if you smoke weed. They don't tell you well, that. It's but just ding, ding, ding. But um, you will die if you read Trip. Uh, it's just not worth it. So listen to Texty TV. Don't read Trip. It's bad. Don't read anything else Talin has ever done, even as curiosity. And um, come back next week because I'm going to be talking to Elizabeth Sandifer, who wrote a book called Near Reaction: A Basilisk. And if you're in uh, the woke online discourse and you hate, um, what's it called, Kill All Normies by Angela Nagel, then um, this is like the good version, Near Action of Basilisk, because um, it doesn't blame uh, Nazis on Tumblr. So you can, uh, yeah, come back next week and we'll talk about that. And um, yeah, reviews and so forth. Don't read Trip again, just really can't emphasize that point enough. But listen to Tech CTV. Mm-hmm.